0: Most of my time I mean I spent a lot of time by myself to be honest thinking strategizing I, I I've been able to structure the business so I'm able to work on the business as opposed to in it and I spent a lot of days and a lot of years you know in all these roles of course working in the business and fortunately I've got great people um, that I you know I can trust I, they've got full full empowerment on what they do they work great together so I'm able to work on the business and and spend time on, on strategizing. Now saying that, I also spend time in meetings with them. Uh, every month we have management meetings, so we check in on that. We have accountability check-ins. Uh, everyone's got their goals, strategic goals for the year, KPIs, every month we check in on. We use the balance scorecard uh, tool we use to manage our uh, manage the business from all aspects. So I, I spend a lot of time on that because you know we have our machinery business, uh, we've also got a rolling division where we're manufacturing the products. I have a separate team for that, and I also have a fabrication team now. Welcome
1: Really excited to be bringing you the CEO of Samco Machinery, Bob Repos. Uh, he worked in our program, the Student Works Management Program, a couple of decades ago. Uh, Bob leads uh, an organization that does over $40 million for the business, has 200 employees in Canada and India, is in four different, business actually exists of four different types of manufacturing. Um, and he describes that on the business. One of the things I always like to look at when I look at successful businesses or very, very successful businesses, you'll see that their customers are, you know, just wildly successful. And and so, so Bob and, and Samco's customers are Amazon. Their leading uh, HVAC uh, companies are Crane and Lennox um, and Magna for car parts. So just, Enormous customers. Um, And Bob has just so much to share about great best practices that he uses and links them back to the types of things that he did back when he was an operator, back when he was a district manager. Um, And uh, and one cool thing is, is today we are out painting uh, his house or his fence in Markham. So uh, so one of our cruises out there. And I, what I wanted to do as well is, is just let anyone know if you know of any young, amazing people who are looking for huge futures, because that's something that Bob talks about in his podcast here, it, please send them my way. Send them to chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Please share our podcast. Please share our website, www.studentworks.com. For... Um, the opportunities that we have around leadership, management, and entrepreneurial growth. Thanks so much, and I know you're going to love this podcast. So, Bob, thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining us today on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. Fantastic. So, so Bob, um, I know you spent a number of years in our program, and and uh, you were a top performer and a district manager, but. Talk to me about what what life was like for you before our program.
0: Well, before the program, I was going through university, and uh, well, back backing up there, I was in high school, uh, and I was just a busy kid in sports. Uh, one of my hobbies was always just going to the cottage and doing things up there, and working up there, and having summer jobs. So that continued on through university, and uh, fortunately, right before that, uh, you know, right after high school and into university, I was able to carry that on but I was a busy kid just looking for what was next and the cottage always had me as an anchor
1: right right yeah I remember you you ran a firewood you used to cut firewood and sell firewood and yeah do lots of stuff
0: I had that business drive in me from from when I was younger and I don't know why but we have some property up there but I would uh, take advantage of the firewood and uh, sell it to the locals and every now and then bring some down to the city my own firewood business
1: yeah, no, that's great. That's great, and and so if you, if you recall, recall, what was your biggest frustration as a teenager before you got started in business?
0: I think uh, as a teenager, you know, obviously the older, the later years, you're trying to figure out what am I going to do and how am I going to get there, and uh, you know, you're trying to figure out where you're going to go into school and take business or communications. In my case, you're trying to figure out well, then what? And it's frustrating to not know. So, at one time, I was going to be a landscaper. I wanted to run my own landscape business. I want to take engineering. And, you know, I always had the background of the family business, I guess, as an opportunity uh, with my father. And that was an option, but I wasn't sure. So, it was, you know, I guess frustrating to not know which way to go. It was just opportunities of which was going to present itself at which time. But um, it's not knowing how to go and which way to go. And, you know, I think everybody has that challenge sometimes. And what's next?
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, we'll put a pin on that because I do want to talk about, you know, succession and moving into parents' business because that that actually has happened a number of times for our really, you know, past successful operators. And, and sometimes people choosing, hey, I'm going to move in. Others choosing, no, I'm not going to. And, and and would love to sort of, you know, chat with you about that, Bob, and get your perspective. But before that, you know, what do you still rely on from the program?
0: I think the big takeaway on it is it doesn't matter what you're doing, uh, you learn how to deal with people, and so many opportunities and so many scenarios, you know, right from the people, of course, that you meet that are bringing you on board and training you, but of course, taking it into the field. And learning how to deal with customers. They're not all easy customers. Uh, some are more difficult and more demanding than others, but that doesn't change. doesn't matter what you're doing. So I, I think the skills and the uh, the challenges and the learning that went along with it, and of course, hiring people and having to let people go, um, realities of any business um, those those opportunities to learn on the fly with just people people learning and that that's something that I think you just that you never take that away is that that's the experience that you're going to learn?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I remember actually it still sort of comes up every once in a while just just I remember you dealt with just a Really, really challenging client, and 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 just you know ended up like it's it's one of those things where, and again, just for our young leaders, it's like you can do everything right sometimes, and just somebody can just be you know very very unethical, and uh, and and you know again, I, I wanted to share that this is within the context of someone who had a very successful summer, was very profitable, so but this is what sort of can happen. And so Bob, why don't you just tell that story about that, you know, greasy little person and feel free <laughs> and
0: just, Well, that's man. a good memory. I mean, this is going back 25 years ago, but it, it is a lesson that I wrote down and it, one that stays with me. And, you know, uh, I had a client and uh, he was actually a repeat client, so I didn't take think much of it. I had already done his garage. So, and this is, you know, in cottage country where they don't, they're not there all the time. So Aren't around. So we were there and uh, we finished his garage, did a great job. Uh, Then the next year, we were hired to do his house. We went around and did the complete house, or in this case, his cottage. Uh, And then he didn't pay us and constantly went on for reasons why he wouldn't pay us. And long, long, long story short, we ended up in court and I eventually won. Um, Had to defend myself with against his lawyer uh, after a lot of uh, cancelled meetings and so forth. I just met a very, very nasty person and just a a ruthless individual who was out there just to the point of not paying me uh, after I'd done everything right and I'd even won in court. The big picture was, you know, it was a $2,000 job. So yes, it was $2,000. And when you're a student, that's a lot of dough. I'd already paid my painters. I'd paid the suppliers. uh, But at the end of the day, it was a good lesson and just a great opportunity to go through the process. And really uh, understand, uh, you know, how to defend yourself, how to prove, uh, how to prove your case, how to be in court, and uh, yeah. going through the process and the emotions that it could wear on you, and the things that you have to go with. And you know, at the time, that was everything to me. And I still have the file on it. I still have all the pictures. I have the before shots, the after shots. I have the weather reports because he was literally claiming I was painting in rain, and you know that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were under porches and there was a lot of things and, and the job stood up, you know, he still had, a, you know, his warranty. And so yeah. I just a great opportunity to learn. And that's how I look at it. I mean, it's a long story there, but uh, a, a good learning overall. But yes, it can happen. And um, one still stands with me. Yeah. What can happen and, and go away.
1: Well, actually, Bob, I remember actually you sharing that, like, um, you know, we, we connected, I, I think a decade ago, I was by, by the office and you showed me the file and it really, you know, just rem- reminded me and, and we probably have, like, we're so fortunate to be dealing with Canadians, they overwhelmingly just, again, pay when the job's done. And pay, pay you know and so right. so it just so rarely ever is an issue but you know probably one in six thousand and and he was just really unique and that you actually want a judgment and he didn't pay it's the first time that's ever happened in the history of our business but yeah. it, it's one of those things where again it, it, it teaches you in business sometimes you're dealing with difficult people and that that is that is one of the things I'm sure with Samco Machinery, there are some situations that are difficult and and you've, you've got to go deal with them. And, and learning, one of the things I got as well that you were saying, Bob, is learning how to manage your stress around it, learning how not to make it everything, right? That this is just right. one
0: thing and that's all it is. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of being the entrepreneur, you got to be able to stomach some of those challenges, you know, it comes down to you at the end of the day. You. Yeah, you have to have yeah. that conversation. You got to deal with it, and it's not always easy. So it does wake you up at three in the morning sometimes. Those are our realities. One
1: hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and so, so Bob, I know you know in going through the the, the process of, of of joining Samco, you know, I know right now you're the CEO of Samco, but obviously you didn't get started there. So you know, spending some years with us, and then what what was the decision finally, or you know, about joining, and then and then maybe t- t- walking us through the.
0: The, the last 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's too big a question, but let's yeah, get to well, the first I'll, I'll, I'll try to be as short as I can. So obviously growing up, uh, growing up through the high school years, my dad was always um, operating the company and never putting a lot of pressure on me by any means, but, you know, making it clear that there was an opportunity uh, to one day if you wanted to come to the business and that was there. So even through university, I uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, at that time, of course, I was already operating the uh, the franchise with Student Works and uh, eventually became the district managers, you know. So I'd gotten really passionate about that. And of course, eventually um, the opportunity came where school finished and I felt, you know, it was maybe the right time. And there was an opportunity where dad said, hey, like, let's, let's give it a go. And uh, I said, okay, like, you know, worst case is I don't like it and I can go do something else. Yeah. So um, I knew I wanted to run my own business. That was always it. So you know, why go start something else when there's already something in the family that's running? Right. And kind of cool. I mean, we build big machinery, right? So it's not a very boring business. We design stuff. We build, fabricate. We have a lot of trades, and you know we can talk about that more later. But overall, it's a pretty exciting business. So can start off in the office. Started off on the shop floor. Uh, even though I got my my degree, um, it was time to you know go in the shop, learn from the employees, learn about them, uh, see what was going on back there. I worked on some of the machines. I did some assembly work. Uh, eventually, the big, big starter for me was to put in our ISO 9000 program and get into quality. At that time, ISO 9000 was just kind of a thing people were starting to do and yeah. it put the banner up on the wall. And, you know, that wasn't the real reason. And you know, my father had thought, what a great way to learn the business. An ISO because you have to, you know, you got to know all the processes from start to finish. Right. So throughout that process, uh, you know, we got registered in a year, and I learned a lot. I also learned what was not maybe set up well and where there were gaps and opportunities. So from there, I would get into more business process management and operations, and really starting to have a say on how things were going to maybe transform. And then I put in systems, and that's really where I put in our first ERP system, and um, you know, really started to put. Go ahead. Uh, one quick sec. So, just so we don't talk over our young leaders, so
1: let's. I was just thinking. I know what ISO nine thousand is. So maybe let's just explain a little bit more about sure. what that is, and you know, and just so that they they understand, you know, how how that would map out.
0: So ISO nine thousand, it's an international standard for quality standards, essentially, or quality assurance that basically makes sure that you operate your business to a certain standard with objectives, our risk assessment, corrective actions, how you deal with quality, nonconformances, a whole array of how you, you know management supports the whole company through it, the culture, the training. Um, basically it's a whole foundation which is audited and accredited uh, every six months in our in our case, where they're going through our processes and making sure that we're doing everything that the standards are talking about. And um, by doing it the right way and not just for paper, you know, you really do help grow your business. You're driving KPIs, key performance indicators, you're driving continuous improvement. Uh, You're looking, you're getting voice of your customer, you're getting feedback from your, you know, you're dealing with, um, dealing with feedback, you know, from unhappy customers in some cases and how do you manage that process? So a lot of the ISO program just keeps you in tune and in check with these standards. And uh, that was one of the great ways of learning, you know, how do we, what are our processes? How do we do things and document it? And by doing that, you start to professionalize the business uh, around processes over just people. Right. Absolutely, you need great people, but if you keep relying on that one person to do the same thing, and that's only what he knows, you'll never grow your business, of course. So uh, this program, I mean, it helps you scale your business uh, as you start driving some of those indicators forward. Right. Uh, so so after, well, that naturally lended itself into business process mapping, uh, learning our ERP system. I mentioned that one quickly as well. That's Enterprise Resource Planning Systems. So right. also called MRP uh, and Material Requirements Planning. And this is really the whole foundation in the systems made to Z right from our sales quoting uh, processes, our order entry into our engineering bills and materials. Our purchasing department to our manufacturing, our capacity planning, uh, driving all the way into our uh, finance team. So this is essentially a complete closed loop system. It's really what drives the whole system, drives did, the whole company. Did you build your own, or did you did you partner with someone? No, we've uh, well, our first we've gone live with two systems because we grew, grew the other one. Uh, both of them are uh, off the shelf. We're currently with uh, Microsoft Dynamics AX. So okay. Microsoft platform, you know, download it into Excel. Do what you got to do with it. Uh, no off-the-shelf platforms are complicated enough. You know, we're not in the software business. Oh,
1: I know. I, I, I figured so just because yeah. how big your business is and how complex your business is. That's what I. That's yeah. what I expected. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I've gone. I've gone through two implementations, and you know, one of the things I, I I really spearheaded the first one, and I knew the ins and outs of the whole process and the whole system. So there wasn't one area of the of the company that I couldn't get into, and as I was in that, of course, I was learning everything about the business. Yeah. So I also, as, as we were a much smaller company back then, I uh, I was the HR person as well. I did the hiring as well. Right. Um, managed performance, the whole performance management system. I put that in along the way. Uh, project management, I led that as well. Uh, now, of course, we've grown. So now I actually am fortunate where I have leaders managing those functions. I have an HR director. I have a director of project management. So Right. Uh, I was able to wear all those hats though throughout the journey, Um, and then of course getting into sales—that's one thing I got to do every day. You're you're the owner; you're always the face of the company. So I continue to do that. Um, So now it's basically you know running the business. And I was president in 2005. Uh, That was when my dad basically said, "Okay, let's give you a little more responsibility than just a manager role. Let's have you be president." Right. Again in 2005. And I'd started in 1998. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, 1997. 1997, I started. So in 2005, I was president. And then in 2011, uh, it was time where I, you know, I have a sister that was in the business. And then we had a second generation succession plan. And it was time to um, go through that process. So in 2011, I was formally the CEO of the company. And my dad still comes in. Still helps out in the sales area. He's a great mentor for a lot of our team. Right. And, um, you know, he's very passionate and loves what he does. Still in the business, so he's still got a place to go. <laughs> I remember him well. I yeah. I, I had the opportunity to meet him a number of times. I got another fishing and, uh, trip right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he loves his fishing. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad he's he's
1: enjoying himself. And and so so Bob, one of the other things I wanted to point out is 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 I loved again how there was a process for you really learning all the different parts of your business. And I can see how that process really assisted and where ultimately, you know, well, actually here, rather than me jumping, where do you spend, where do you spend your time? Like what are the, you know, two or three things spend or, or the, you know, you look at your time, the most valued time that you have.
0: Uh, most of my time, I mean, I spent a lot of time by myself, to be honest, thinking strategizing, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been able to structure the business, so I'm able to work on the business as opposed to in it. And That's I spent so a lot of days and a lot of years, you know, in all these roles, of course, working in the business. And fortunately, I've got great people um, that I, you know, I can trust. They've they've got full full empowerment on what they do. They work great together. So I'm able to work on the business and and spend time on on strategizing. Now, saying that, I also spend time in meetings with them. Uh, every month we have management meetings. So we check in on that. We have accountability check-ins. Uh, everyone's got right. their goals, strategic goals for the year, KPIs. Every month we check in on, we use the balance scorecard, uh, tool we use to manage our, uh, manage the business from all aspects. So I, I spend a lot of time on that because, you know, we have our machinery business. Uh, we've also got a rolling division where we're manufacturing the products. I have a separate team for that. And I also have a fabrication team now. Um uh, so and and the India team, so I've got four I've essentially got four mini businesses within Samco that are all running okay. uh, individually, but I have to make sure that I'm you know guiding them and working on their strategy together. so that's where I'm spending my time, you know, and of course, with customers, when they're here, I want to make time with them, and time. they want to yes. know where I'm around. I don't have to spend all day with them, and you know, and sometimes I do, especially the international ones. We just had customers up from Argentina. So they like to spend time with you. or from Mexico, but nonetheless, uh, when, when, they're in, when they're in the building, you want to spend time with them. Um, For sure. And, uh, and I visit some so, customers as well, but I've got a great sales team out there where you know, it's on a neat to come basis.
1: Right, right. But, but on the other hand, one of the things I, I can tell, and, and a lot of times, you know, our young leaders don't really understand this, but, you know, CEO title, president title, what it actually means is best salesperson title you know, top, top salesperson. Okay. when we need to close the deal when we need to, you know, again, okay, let's, let's get Bob out there. The client's concerned. Let's have them feel confident because Bob will will get ruffled. You know,
0: I want to know that eventually if your company doesn't perform and this team that you're talking to right now, isn't there, then who does, who does it go to next? And we're dealing with big companies now. As a matter of fact, I had a president from Stanley Black and Decker, their tools and their tools group there. We're working on some really interesting projects with them, and at the end of the day, I haven't met them before, and they're going to be doing yeah. some big, big things there, which uh, you'll probably see one day. Um, yeah. We're working on some development with them, and he wants to know that we, you know, we they have our support, and uh, yeah. we got to hit these timelines and all the. At the end of the day, you got to. <laughs> uh, it comes down to you, but yes, you're the face of it, and you have to be prepared for that. Yeah.
1: No, because well, it's it's. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. With with our operators, it's the same thing. It's it's like, you know, you're painting for a you know for a customer and it's it's ultimately the customers all okay with you know the painters or the window cleaners handling that, but ultimately what's gonna happen? Well, you know, uh, you know, I'll step in there. And Bob, thank you very much for uh, using us this
0: summer. Well done. I yeah, as a matter that. of fact, your guys on site right now. Doing oh, our all right. I was <laughs> just gonna mention that. It started yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. what timing
1: is that. Well, good news. Well, I, you know, I, I was not aware, but, but I know, I know, uh, I know uh, we were doing work. And again, thank you. So when you think about the career progress, just, just again, just to sort of share, like, how much, how much has the business
0: grown since you've been part of the company? Like, um, you know, just. Yeah, well, a great question. And I got to think back on that because it was again, I've been 22 years in the business now. And I mean, I literally started off on the floor. Uh, we were, you know, two or three main guys in the business. And at that time, um, we were maybe doing seven to $10 million in revenues um, in the perspective and Then those days. And today we're closer to 40 to 50. So we've grown four, four right. to five times. And it, it doesn't sound like a lot but when you go from being a 10 or 20 million dollar business to being a 40 million dollar business there's a whole different world and we're not we don't we don't convert oh, widgets yes. here where you just add more people or you just add more machinery it's uh, you know we're building complex machines and engineering solutions and a lot of one-offs so to grow a business like then uh, like this takes uh, you know take, takes quite a bit of horsepower and uh, a lot of scalability uh, challenges along the way because you can't go too quick because, of course, we go through business cycles and you have to be able to ramp down just like you can ramp up sometimes. Um, we've you know we've been fortunate. We've grown. We've uh, increased our facility size. Uh, six years ago, we moved where we are now. We're in a 164,000-square-foot building. We have 140 employees here. And uh, we've, we're also in India. We have a plant in India. We've been there for 15 years. It's a long time when you think back 15 right. years ago, everybody was going to China at uh, that time. And uh, we chose India. You know, they speak English there, your system of law. We have a lot of people that work for us from India. So having their support was, was critical. But uh, anyway, we're, we've got 200 employees. And, uh, you know, back then we had maybe 60 employees. We've really scaled the, uh, the business accordingly. But, uh, you know, it has its challenges. Today, it's about bringing the young guys up that are excited about manufacturing. And, matter of fact, we have nine apprentices that just started this week uh, wow. at our facility. Yeah, we're wow. working with the colleges and really trying to bring some guys in to enjoy the industry and not just get caught up in computers and gaming uh, or, you know, being lawyers and doctors. But, uh, saying that, we actually are developing a lot of software in our business. Uh, we're we are developing our own control systems, our Industry 4.0. Um, artificial intelligence, smart machines we're uh, we're doing all those things, and we're developing that into our equipment. So that's a little on the business. I mean, we've grown a lot. We've expanded our divisions. Uh, we're currently rolling product mm-hmm. for Amazon. You may have heard of them. We're actually rolling <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, we're diversifying. Uh-huh. we're actually uh, we've actually got them as one of our customers and we're we're part of their growth and their fulfillment centers. Uh, when they put all these paws, and if you ever see the videos uh, of the uh, Amazon fulfillment centers where they're moving all the products around on these robots, uh, yes. each of those robots oh, has yeah. has a structure above it with four posts. So we actually manufacture that as well. So some of our growth and our facility, and with our team, has brought on some really great opportunities for us. We're we're pretty fortunate for. Wow. I always look
1: at successful businesses, um, and not well. Sorry, very, very successful businesses, not to sort of mitigate other businesses that don't have such amazing clients. But I always look to, you know, hey, if you're dealing with, you know, Amazon, and I know you also deal with, you know, Magna and Crane and Lennox, and you know, like it's just, you know, those are just major brands, and and obviously speaks to the quality and level of business that you that you you do. So. But one of the things that you talked about, Bob, and I'm interested in this, and I know our young leaders will be as well, is is business cycles. So you've been around, you know, for for 22 years post school. I've been around for a little bit longer, although I tell everyone I'm still 28. But um, <laughs> but you know, what does that mean in terms of the context of your business, and maybe what can what are you expecting, or what's your team expecting
0: moving forward, etc. In terms of how you deal with business cycles and thinking about business cycles. Great question, and I think the first rule that we have in our business is diversification, because the more diversified you are, the least vulnerable you are to cycles. However, saying that, there are business cycles that you simply can't avoid, like the last one in 2008, where it was, you know, everything went from, our our business, for example, we had, uh, in automotive, we had $12 million of orders one year, and the next year was zero. So when you go from that much to (laughs) nothing, (laughs) that's just how the cycles can go now again that was just automotive and of course we're we're diversified we're in construction where we're dealing with uh new building any new buildings going up made of steel and hotels and schools and complexes things like that um racking and shelving if you go into a costco or a home depot you'll see all the racking in there and the shelves those are all roll forms we call it they all start from a coil of steel and they go to a, through our machinery and get uh, cut off. So um, garage door, they build houses, they put the garage doors up, that track and the garage door, those are all formed on our type of equipment. And there's lots of right. lots of other industries, barbecues, uh, guard on highway, guard, the crash barriers, if you see the steel crash barriers. We're very diversified and those are global products. Uh, we have our equipment in 35 right. different countries, as a matter of fact. So we're all around the world because we have products and we have the the, uh, the bench strength in our product lines to serve all those industries. When cycles do come, you have to deal with it. So at the end of the day, um, you have to make tough decisions. Sometimes um, the first thing is to look at your C players. You know, sometimes what happens when we get busy, we start growing quickly, we start settling for people, and at the end of the day, you know who your A players are, your B players. So, unfortunately, um, that's just a decision you have to make. And, you know, if you don't make those decisions, then you affect everybody. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions right. to protect the core. And we've we've gone to the core, and we've had to go to that, that extent in the recession. Uh, we've, we've gone through work sharing as well, which is a program, you know, where the government will assist you for having reduced hours, uh, working hours. And you okay. can go down to, say, a four-day work week they'll compensate you. So, okay. I mean, you get creative with how you can save money. You go through your overheads, we put an okay. energy, energy saving programs. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but as the cycles of the business go up and down after respond, but I mean the, the, the secret is to have the indicators far enough in advance. So you're not getting surprised and just waking up one day and, and finding out. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately in our business, I mean, our, our equipment goes out six to eight months, uh, 12 months in some cases, depending on what it is. So, I mean, we have some good visibility and backlog, but over time, you have to see the indicators. And moving forward right now, to be quite honest, we're a little concerned with the next year. Uh, we're seeing it in uh, in some areas. We've had a really good cycle. I mean, we've been very fortunate in everything we've been doing. Nothing lasts forever. Yes. And I think there's a bit of a slowdown coming, and I'm sensing it right I'm sensing it a not not a huge crash or anything, but I'm you know with the with the uh, presidential election coming up shortly, there's always a reason what people will find to not buy equipment and uh, they'll wait till next year they'll wait till the election's finished they'll wait to see what happens with mr Trump right and um, all those reasons they'll find out I mean we're selling large equipment, capital equipment so and that's the challenge in our business. It's all or nothing. I mean, again, we're not making widgets where we can just decrease volumes. It's, it's all or nothing. And um, yeah, and that's why I say diversification globalization people that are only relying on the North American markets today are are losing out on a lot and themselves in a lot of property. Right. I belong, I belong to business groups where I'm making, making sure and intentionally making sure that we're staying global and Eating globally but also getting your brand out there because right. uh, you can't simply just rely on Canada and the U.S. anymore especially when you look at what's happened recently right you can't rely on just the U.S. market right right no no that's well that's that's great and, and I'm sure as well one of the
1: things you do is you save your shekels right you know save your money and you know just make sure that you know you, you're prepared in case things things turn sideways that's right yeah,
0: you always try to you know you start keep building the balance sheet. Yeah, save for a rainy day. balance sheet, save it for a rainy day. Yeah. And uh you're right. especially and again, it's one
1: advantage again, our young, you know, young leaders, obviously that's something that they that you know they don't have the time. You know, one of the things is over time you can build assets. And when you're building an asset base, you keep on building that asset base to protect yourself against all of a sudden, you know, that's and I just want everyone to hear that. You're doing $12 million in mode of sales and then zero the next year. Like that is just so frightening. Uh, and, and again, that's what can happen. And obviously, 2008 was, you know, you can go back and read, uh, you know, for our leaders uh, about that time. It was just incredible if, if you don't have a memory of that time. Uh, but it was very, very fascinating. So, Bob, how did you know that running a business was for
0: you? Uh. <laughs> How did I know? I think, you know, growing up, I was looking at, at myself growing up. I always seemed to want wanted to be in charge. I had a, a leader instinct yeah. uh, in school. I was always the guy taking charge in the group discussions. I was the one telling, you know, assigning the tasks and, you know, getting the people involved. Um, that was at a, at a school level, yeah. I can recall. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, which kind of kid in high school starts running a firewood business? So I, <laughs> an instinct where i just wanted to do something i had a great work ethic you know physically and then i was able to convert it to money in some ways um and then i wanted to be my own boss you know i i I think that was something and i i like working with people i could always you know find people to work with me and uh work together to come some uh, you know accomplish some goals so I think just growing up through that environment really always opened up my eyes to say, like, that's something I wanted to do. Of course, I was watching my dad growing up as running running the business. Yeah. And was that something I wanted to do? Or was, was I simply going to go and you know work for somebody else? Right. Clock in every day and clock out. And then that was kind of it. And, um, you know, have my hourly rate. Um, you know, growing a business is very exciting. And, you know, it, there's no limit to what you can do when you have the opportunity. Right, right. Yeah. It really is fun. It really is fun. And, you know, and I've got a ton of passion about what I've done. And that's, I think, carried me a long way too, is passion. For, for sure. And, and, and that's something you had back in the day and something
1: clearly you still have now. And, and it's something that, uh, you know, you've got a really strong work ethic. And it's, you know, we really try to get our, our, our people to join our program to really self-select on that. Right. And, and you remember as well, being part of the recruiting process back in the day, it's it's like, you know, look, if 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 you're someone who's excited by the idea of getting an opportunity to work more so that you can gain more and so you can contribute more and learn more and develop more. Well, then, hey, you should come here. But if if that doesn't really interest you, then this is probably not the right spot for you. Just like trying to be a CEO of a multi multi-million dollar, uh, you know, machinery firm. <laughs> not good because you're working a lot. Right. A lot of times we don't right. really get that. Right.
0: It's not for everyone. You're right. I mean, when we heard when I heard the pitch the first time, it was all I was all in. I mean, I drank the Kool Aid right away because it just spoke to me. Yeah. Not everyone jumps up and says, "Yeah, I want to do that," yeah. and that's okay because yes. you know yeah. it's not for everyone. Yeah. It's not. And um, okay. Yeah.
1: So so let's talk. Uh, you know, failures or mistakes. You know, what what have been your biggest failures or mistakes, and how do you learn from those, Bob?
0: I. I think growing up in the business you know i i've I've relied a lot on people and sometimes by doing that you trust them a lot uh i have i've trust people and by learning by doing that a lot sometimes you can get yourself into trouble
1: yeah
0: and i you know as a result i think you know holding people accountable and having processes in place to um overcome that i mean we rely on our people we trust them yeah I, one of my challenges has been over sometimes over trusting and then getting burned in the end yeah. in some cases. So now that I've, you know, moved the business to the next level. And that was also a challenge with growing the business we you. We were a little more sporadic, a little more call it chaotic, more firefighting. Yeah. So a lot of things could slip and um, get overlooked. So now, you know, everything's checking out with um, processes where everything's double checked and um, relying more on the process and the team over just the individual. And that's something for our leaders to
1: get. I know that's something that we really work our, on our, in our program, Bob, is is I think people get started and they're they're excited and they see how much they can impact their business through sales or leadership or recruiting, et cetera. And and then one of the things we we try to get them, no, it's it's yes, yes, and here's all the processes and systems that really support that. And then how your people become just stronger because of that. And, and I know our business has, has grown like, you know, three or four times since you were with us and enormously it's because of the systems and processes. You know, we had just amazing people back in the day, uh, and I'll tell you, I did not support them as well with systems and processes as now they're supported. And you know, we we've got a, a great database system that's unbelievable, et cetera. But all those things make all the difference. Um, you know, in a,
0: yeah, I agree more, and that's where I spent you know a lot of my years in putting in processes, mm-hmm. business processes, our project management system here, which. Is really a, an incredible system that we have, and a lot of the communication tools we have, and how we talk to each other, how we get along with projects, and how we communicate about milestones. Uh, we have code red meetings in the morning where everybody we have stand up meetings oh, where fantastic. all the department heads get together and talk about what's going on, what's not going right. It ain't always perfect, yes. so what are we doing about it today, not tomorrow, what's happening today? So we've you know. Some of the leadership things that I put forward there with the team is, you know, communicating and how do we do a better job communicating with each other? A lot of the answers are in our own building and we just got to tap into each other. We actually call it tapping in yeah. where everybody has a say and everybody needs to be heard. And we have to make a point of getting that person to come over and tell us what to know. Yes. So some of those things are, you know, critical. Like how do communicate? And yes, the processes. And all the systems in place and right back to the training how do you develop somebody from day one when they first start you know the days are gone where you just bring somebody in and put them at a at a machining center and say go there's you know a lot more to it yeah. or at an engineering desk yeah. on autocad and say go yeah there's so much more that we take for granted so we have on, onboarding programs and um, we want to mentor them with somebody have a shadow so that we know that they're really fitting in with the company yeah. and um, getting it. And when they're not, they're actually saying something about it. And
1: again, just, just for our leaders, um, listening to Bob and saying, hey, you know, stand up meetings and regularly having meetings with the team, asking for feedback. What are we doing? You know, stop, start, continue exercises. What can we do to improve the business? What's what's not going well? What is going well? You know, those sorts of things. So that this is something that our, that our young operators are doing in the business. You know, you know, and and testing out, and then obviously you're doing it at enormous scale. And the same things, though, matter. The same things make a huge difference in in the business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. End of the day, I mean, we in our project management office, we have a big sign on the wall. It just says communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. you've seen it before, I'm sure, no. but it's just a reminder that it isn't that complicated, <laughs> whether it's internally or with the customer. You know, the customers get upset when you don't tell them what's going on, and they're not there to see their equipment or what's going. You know, what's happening. So it's it's a it's something that we always do, and that's a differentiator for us. And you know, we're very engaged with our customers, and um, points for everywhere here. But I mean, we're. Uh, Know, we communicate throughout, but the processes are key, yeah. and that's how we've grown. And it sounds like you've done the same thing, which I could understand. I mean, even when I started there, I was impressed with the processes and the tools you had, and the training toolkit, the binders, right. client manual. I remember the walkarounds and yeah. the, the processes and the the sales training. I'm sure it's developed a lot, yeah. developed a lot since then, but. Uh, even back then, I mean, it's all comparable to the markets, I guess, and the competition of what it is today. And yeah. clients' expectations are a lot more today than they were 20 years ago. There's no question. Everybody's smarter and everybody's more knowledgeable. This thing called the internet has exposed everybody to everything. they there's more. They know more about you than you think, yeah. than you even know. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so basically, yeah, you have to keep adapting and uh, supporting the people. You know, you got to hold them. And whether it's Supporting the leaders that are running the franchise or the painters, you know, the guys that are showing up to do the job for the first time. I mean, they need the attention. Yeah, they got to do it right. The first time I've been there where you're doing the walk around with the client at the end, right? Not the painter. Yes. No, for sure. And,
1: and, And there's no question as well that obviously, you know, one of the things we've always been really strong at is the sales sales process and then just gotten stronger and stronger at the other parts to improve the business. and But one of the things as well, um, you know, Bob, and I know our, our leaders will be interested in this, is I can just tell that you've you've just been constantly developing yourself. So what have you done in terms of reaching out uh, and who have you reached out to or what, or in what ways have you t- to keep that learning going?
0: So um, I'm actively a member of uh, a group called Tech. Okay, Tech, yes. Uh, I'm a Tech member. I've been a member since 2002, actually. So I started off quite young, and that's that's a group where you get together every month. I've been doing that for uh, 17 years, every month getting together and uh, sharing. First of all, you have a speaker um, so on some topic, You know, whether it's HR, finance, selling, motivation, um, you name it, innovation, the future. Yes. They bring speakers in from all around, and you you'll have a th- three, four-hour session there, a workshop. And then we'll have uh, lunch, and uh, after in the afternoon, you're sharing your your opportunities and your challenges with other leaders of their companies. You're sharing financial statements. Um, you're you're talking about your challenges and just basically your personal advisory group. So, um, and I have a, a, a tech chair as well that I meet with one on one every month. So, uh, that's one group I belong to. And again, I've been there for seventeen years. So, continually learning uh, within that process. With the speakers as well as the other CEO, and you're 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 never going to learn more than anybody like a another leader of a company and that's gone through the real challenges of, dealing with that type of person or you know having to fire a family employee or how to deal with a real life challenge. Um, So those are those are uh, great people that I've got to know and learn from. And then uh, in the last couple years, I've also joined a group called OG One Hundred. It's called Ontario Global One Hundred, and that's a a much larger type group where they're dealing with companies that are revenues are exceeding 25 million and you are basically motivated and you have all intentions of being more of an exporter, okay. um, being more of a global player. And we have very influential board members on there. We have um, Don Walker, for example, uh, CEO of Magna, right. uh, Rob, Hasenfra- or, um, sorry, Rob Wildeboer of uh, Martin Rhea. Linda Hasenfratz with Linamar. So, I mean, very highly um, influential people. Then we have the banks there. We have Ray Tangay, used to be the president of Toyota Canada. So, all the big banks, BDC, um, they're there. So, the bottom line is we're meeting with other CEOs of other large companies that are looking to export as well. So, we get together quarterly um, and on annual retreats as well as we have... uh, Sessions every now and then. Speakers are set up, or we have breakfast uh, sessions with some of these CEOs I mentioned. I need to learn about how a guy like Don Walker operates, right? With a breakfast session with five other CEOs for a couple hours. So opportunities like that. So I've joined that group as well, and uh, my intentions there, of course, uh, how to how to help us export more, how to deal internationally, how to manage our operation in India. Right. Of course, India is a lot different than operating in Canada. Yes. And, you know, some of the things that we've done right there and some of the things that we've learned along the way, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a challenge. But anyway, the OG group has uh, me uh, aligned as well. So learning continues to be there so within these groups. Um, it's pretty, pretty well, you know, what I what I do. Um, I mean, back in the earlier days, I took a lot of courses, you know, these one day courses and things like that. Over time, you know, you want to start meeting other owners and other CEOs and really connecting on what's going on in their lives yes. and tell me about what you see in my business that I don't see. Yeah. And then you got to hold me accountable on what you're telling me and what I have to do. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you're under a bit of pressure to actually make things happen. Right. And, uh, so anyway, good group of business owners, um, along the way and speakers, Yeah. Well, well, you know, again, one of the
1: things I teach and and I'm sure you've heard it is just, hey, you will become the average of the five people you spend the, the most time with. Right. So that, you know, what you've done, Bob, is just continue to move up that average. You know, you just keep jumping into a bigger and bigger pond you know for you to grow more right it's like okay hey here's what i was originally doing courses with you know successful people then all of a sudden jumping into a tech group then all of a sudden being a part of this other amazing group and it's just you keep looking forward and sort of saying hey how can i help our people grow more how can i keep helping my company grow more how can and of course most importantly how can i grow more uh so
0: that i can support all the things i want to support absolutely no it's uh Hang on. No, I, it's uh, something we think about all the time within our team and, uh, you know, a lot of takeaways from those. 100%. Takeaways. So, so,
1: Bob, if someone wanted to do what you did or you do, what key habits would they steal from you?
0: What's the secret to your success? Um, some habits that I've developed that uh, I think, you know, you, when you run your own business, there's obviously a lot going on in your head. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, how many things can you process? <laughs> So some ways of how to manage it, you know, you have to, I saw one of your podcasts there. You had one on stress, actually, on managing stress. So the things that I do is I get up every morning, at least five days a week, you know, Monday to Friday, I'm up a quarter to six with my wife and now my son. And I think my daughter's coming on board and we do a jog. We do a 20 minute jog, Awesome. some exercise. So good way to start our day is right away out of bed, outside, 20 minute. Know, 4k run yeah. and a uh, good way to get the juices flowing so good way to start our day and you know in the summer we're fortunate we're in the pool this morning and uh we finished you know doing exercises outside we're in the pool and you know it's 6 30 in the morning i mean yeah. great way to start my day i mean most people are not even out know, to bed yet exactly so i'm already i'm already juiced um, i've got you know, by the time I've done my jog, I've got over 4,000 steps. Yeah. I wear a Fitbit. Yeah. You know, I, another habit I, I have, and as a result, I get a lot of steps, is I, uh, I walk the four corners every morning. I get to work, and I literally walk through the whole plant, and I say good morning to every single employee. Um, I observe what's going on, of course, as I walk around, but I'm literally going from corner to corner to every single employee and every single office, every workstation. And saying good morning, you know, how are you? Is that awesome. just checking in. I love that. Wow. Five days, every day, every day, ever since I've started, Chris. I don't know why. I've just started it I, way back then. Wow. I know why I do it today. Yeah. And it's one of my habits that I, I love doing, and I just do it. And I want to know every employee that works here. Yeah. That's how I know. And, you know, when somebody has their first day there, I want to know right away what's your name? What are you about? I get to know them right away. So that's another habit. So I do the morning jogs. I walk the four corners and that's, you know, we've got a pretty big building. Yeah. So when we're already talking at 10 AM, I've already got 6,800 steps. So some people try to drive for 10,000 steps a day. So that's, you know, that's easy when you start having that routine. Right away, I'm starting off on a positive note. I've got the jog going on. I've got the positive juices, getting all the negative thoughts out of my head. I've Solved a few problems on my job, hopefully, it happens. Mm-hmm. I get to work, you walk around, you know what's going on. Um, and then from there, I think another another uh, a habit I have that I'm adamant about is my communication. I write a monthly CEO letter to the whole company. Right. I've been doing that since 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single month, an update on what's going on, on one-pager. And on, as well as that, we have quarterly company meetings. So I do a stand-up every three months. I'll do a a presentation now in PowerPoint. We'll have updated videos of what we're launching, uh, how our website's looking, what kind of new things we're developing, feedback from our customers, welcome all the new employees, talk about our new recognition program we just put in, like things like that. Uh, We have a performance-based payout system. So we talk about that and how the uh, indicators are going. So a lot of open communication, bottom line. I communicate like crazy. Hold people accountable. I think we've got a lot of checks and balances in there on when people say they're going to get things done. We really have checks and balances on making sure that in that process driven, um, just, you know, overall, you just having great people, focus on your people. That's a habit. I don't know if it's a habit or just an instinct that I have as I I spend probably half my time on people, Mm -hmm. making sure, uh, if everyone's, you know, walking the four corners as an example, Mm -hmm. And when there are issues or people need developing or yeah. there are situations that need to be resolved, I make sure that I dial in on that. I don't let that go. So when
1: you think of a leader of tomorrow, Bob, what comes to mind?
0: Well, I think a great leader uh, is someone that can be uh, a great listener. I think is something that uh, is critical as we're listening to our teams and a great listener listening to their, their team's ideas. As there's challenges coming up. Uh, and supporting them towards executing a plan. So as a leader, we're listening to their ideas, gathering the insights of your team, and working on their solutions and guiding them to that uh, solution. And on top of that, I think a a great leader is someone that can innovate, whether it's process or product, uh, someone that has the foresight to innovate constantly and always be on top of those changes in your business.
1: Absolutely, I can see those making such a huge impact. So, so Bob, um, I just want to—I'm uh, just so grateful for you being a, a you know continuous supporter of our program. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just know how busy your days are and weeks are. Uh, and so to so to take the time that it that it takes to to to, to come and get get on, jump on our podcast, I'm very appreciative. And uh, again, thanks so much. And uh, you, you, I hope you have a wonderful day.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Chris. Great opportunity to share my experiences
1: here. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Okay, cheers. Talk to you soon. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further the development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.